Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, if you want to hear about what's happening with Danny Rowe, then don't forget to subscribe and you can hear a little interview Chris did with AC Foul Manager Dave Challoner during the week. Now alongside me is Chris Pratt as well. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And also we've got Rob on the line. Hello, Rob. And joining us as well is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, boys. Nice to speak to you again. We'll start off with the National League, as always. And so Woking, uh, they couldn't win yesterday, but they got a good draw up at Hartlepool. And uh, I think I think they'd have taken that to start the day, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they. Uh, I'm sure they would have taken it at half time as well. Uh, very little went Woking's way in that first half. There, the decent goal disallowed. They hit the woodwork a couple of times, and then. Really, it was a harsh penalty. I can see why it was given. Um, but, uh, yeah, point away from home uh, keeps their decent run go, keeps them a point clear at the top, especially with uh, uh, another team that was level with them uh, slipping up yesterday in Halifax. Uh, then uh, they'll be quite pleased with that work. And you can't, you know, whether they can sustain this run or not uh, is one thing. Um, the most important thing for them is just to keep gathering points. Well, Yeovil struck gold at Halifax through gold on Matayo and his two goals yesterday, and uh, that's probably one of the results of the day, that, isn't it? I don't think many people expected Yeovil to go up there and win. No, absolutely, Luke. I mean, Halifax have been going great, because, haven't they? And uh, you would have put that down on your sheet as a home banker, I think. Um, but for whatever reason, it didn't really work for, for Halifax yesterday. And Yeovil are beginning to sneak up a little bit. That That's three wins out of three for Yeovil now after... Probably a quite shaky start, and it looks like they're beginning to adapt to this division now. Yeah, they're in the playoff spots now, aren't they? They've uh, they've jumped up to sixth place with that win, and they've kind of snuck up and announced, haven't they, a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think people at the start of the season were thinking, uh, well, you, you tend to you tend to bracket the teams that go down into it. It's going to be a tough season for them. With uh, and it's been true along with Notts County as well. Um, it has been tough for them so far, but um, certainly over the past week and these fixtures when they come thick and fast. We spoke about it last week. If you get that first win, you can roll it onto the next, and um, they've shown that with, like I say, with three out of three. We didn't really mention them last week, Bromley. Uh, they're still flying up there. They're in third. They beat Chesterfield by two goals to one. We'll get into Chesterfield's woes in a minute. But uh, two goals for Michael Cheek, and they're in third. And, and they'll be Neil Smith will be delighted, won't he? Yeah, he will. They've had a great start, and, and, and they've really backed it up in the last week or so as well with that late equaliser on the live TV game uh, in the week. Um, and uh, what I really noticed, particularly as a theme about yesterday, you know, it's been a relatively slow start for the goal scorers. Sort of after eight games, the highest was six goals. But there was a few braces around yesterday. And some of the players that we've been talking about over the last few years on the podcast, um, it's good to see them start to hold their own at National League level goals. Are you Matthias? I can't say it. I, you know, he came out of the telly so well yesterday. I still, we'll call him Gold. Gold. Amatayo. Gold Amatayo. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Uh, I should be able to do better. I need to do better. We're at some point in commentary this season. But uh, he got a brace, and uh, so did Kabongo Shimanga, who I think pretty much goes, you know, top scorer in the league now this season, along with Jamie Reid, who we talked about a lot, you know, with Tom for Torquay last season. It's great to see these young guns starting to uh, to come through. But I wanted to pick a quote out. We always talk about this league being topsy turvy and crazy and so difficult to predict, and I think. Adam Vogue, I've summed this up brilliantly uh, in the non-league paper today. Uh, the league table is upside down. You see, he's confirmed it. Um, it has been going The National League gets madder and madder every year. When you look at the league table today, particularly top the top five, we've all clearly predicted the wrong things. Let's be brutally honest. Halifax, Woking, Maidenhead and Stockport County, you could argue that if they stayed up, this would be a successful season. Um, and he summed it up quite brilliantly there, hasn't he? Um, and, and, and you know it just goes on the only thing I can see that might happen over the course of time this the, the league could really squash up couldn't it as as the likes of Wrexham and Fylde and, uh, and Chesterfield possibly get going and one or two of these part time teams or smaller teams or less fancy teams start to run out of a bit of steam we could be uh, you know with a difference from top to bottom boys is, is, is narrower than ever 
Does, is that mean, does that mean he's saying that Chesterfield absolute Charlie and Aldershot should be top four? <laughs> I, let's be clear about this. I did not mention Aldershot in that place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Aldershot are probably one of the teams that are, uh, are in the kind of position that most people thought they'd be, you know, just on the edge of the on the edge of the bottom four, just in the bottom four after swapping places yesterday with, um, with Barrow. Sorry, boys, I'm taking this all over the place. I know you like to wrap up going through the games, but I just wanted to kind of paint a general picture of the National League and how crazy it's been so far this season. Well, no, definitely. Um, we'll come back to Aldershot shortly because um, we'll we'll carry on looking at the playoff places and, and Maidenhead, the, uh, despite Maidenhead losing by a goal to nil at home to Dagenham, they stay fourth. Just below them is Stockport County, Chris, who, who succumbed to defeat at Charlie. They finally got their first win in the National League and um, Charlie are a, a bogey side for Stockport, aren't they? surprise me at all it might surprise people who've looked at it and seen that Charlie have conceded over 20 goals this season already and uh, but they always give Stockport County a tough time at Victory Park and they always raise the game at Victory Park as well against Stockport County they haven't won there now County since 2016 you know great result for Charlie what, what a result to get them back on track and the goals came from well the first couple were a couple of uh, mistakes really if, if we're perfectly honest defensive mistakes uh, ball bounce to uh, Chris Holroyd, who uh, we were talking about strikers who we think would do well this season. Chris Hol- Holroyd is someone we've mentioned before. Bags of experience. He got two yesterday for Chorley. Um, uh, at the end of the game, Jim Gannon said, "You know, if he'd have said we'd have the points, we'd have at this stage of the season, I'd have been happy. So we've just got to go away, have a good training, put it behind us, and, and go again." Another team who were just in the playoffs, but have had a, a couple of bad results over the last week. At Dover, uh, they lost at home on Tuesday night, and then they lost three-one at Boreham Wood, and Boreham Wood have got themselves back on track as well. They're comfortably in mid-table, but uh, I know Karen Barry, who's a fan of the podcast, she said, "Oh, Dover prefer to to play away." Well, yesterday they they didn't, as I say, because the Shimanga got on the score sheet, as you said, Rob, with a couple of goals. Yeah. We had a Wharton warning last week. Is this a Rob Rant? It's a Rob Rant. I've got to get it off. I did on there yesterday. I can only back it up by mentioning it on the podcast. So, woe betide any managers that roll that one out in the next couple of weeks. We will sweep for them. We will, uh, we, we, we will definitely have to highlight it if anybody does. Because uh, that's only second, I think, in the list of managerial excuses right now. The one I'm hearing the most is that results on the pitch and points tallies are not quite matching the performances that are going in. That was, that's another popular one, isn't it? Just just want to throw a curveball in here about Boreham Wood because um, Arsenal ladies play at Boreham Wood um, and uh, with the focus on, on ladies football, I don't know whether you saw that 31,000 saw the Manchester derby yesterday at the Etihad yeah. Stadium. Arsenal are the champions of that division um, from, from last season. That's got to help Boreham Wood if they're going to get some more people through that gate and uh, some more income. So actually, that could really bring something into the club and uh, you know help them maybe not this season but going forward. Absolutely. I think it has done already to some extent. I think it's helping the sustainability of the club, Chris. They've played there for a few years now, and uh, you know it's not it's 
While Robert, while Robert stews over his rant, he met up with Adam Johnson from BBC Cumbria yesterday before all the shots home game against Barrow, and, and and here's the interview that Rob did with him. I'm joined here at the Ebbs Stadium for the NL Full Time Podcast by BBC Cumbria's Adam Johnson, who I've gotten to know over the last few seasons. I think four trips up to Barrow, another one to come this season. Adam. Funny old season for Barrow, isn't it? Expectations slightly up and a mixed bag of results so far. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that, that Ian ever uh, demanded, really, I think, during during the close of season. I think last season, in supporters' eyes, when you compare it to the season before, being, you know, staying up simply because of other teams' performances rather than our own, you'd have been biting the hands off for the... For the 10th place finish but Ian Everett he was the only person that pretty much said no that's not good enough he wanted more and all the summer the talk has been about playoffs and, and, and promotion uh, the start of the season I mean going 1-0 up against Woking on, against Wrexham sorry on the first game of the campaign away at Wrexham second half you know it all came crumbling down and that's pretty much been the story of the season so far it's Every away game so far, coming coming into today's game at Aldershot, we've led at the break, and then second half we've either lost or drawn, and only one of them has been a draw. That was away at Chesterfield, you know, having been two nil up in that game, and, and could have quite easily been eight nil up. It's it's just the the fine margins, not taking chances, and then falling asleep at the other end. One thing that I think is evident throughout the league is so much of pre-season expectations were based on what happened last year, but so far it's all out the window, both ends of the table. All those sides, Adam, the Wrexhams, the Fylds, the expect Chesterfields expected to be right up there challenging, have had difficult starts. And almost to a team, those three or four that people picked on as easy prey, likely to be relegation fodder, all up in the top seven or eight with 13, 14 points. What do you make of it all? I think it's simply the last couple of seasons have, have, have paved the way. You know, you look at last season, you had Solihull fighting all the way for promotion, fighting even for automatic promotion, finishing second in the league, a fantastic campaign from them. And then you could even go back the season before that where you had Macclesfield going and win the league when at the start of the season you wouldn't even have you wouldn't even have given them a prayer. They had hardly no players, they had no budget. And I think that's just paved the way now for the smaller sides. They're coming into games and I think this league has shown over over many years that anyone is capable of beating anyone on the day. Now, regardless of league positions, in the um, eight or nine games or whatever you've seen and called for BBC Cumbria so far this season, who's been the most impressive team you've seen come up against Barrow? Um, it's a tough one, really, because I don't think we've been overrun in in any game. Mm. In every game that we've played so far this season, we've you know we've looked we've looked good. I think Stockport. I mean, they picked up their first victory uh, against us, you know, right the, a, f- a couple of weeks into the campaign. Uh, they looked, they looked very, very impressive. They, they retained the ball well, and, and I think as you've seen by the results, you know, on the back of that victory against Barrow, they've, they've, they've pushed on. They've, they've found the next step, and a brilliant result last week against Wrexham. So, certainly, I think out of all the the nine games that we've played so far this season, I'd, I'd probably have to say Stockport have been the one that that really did impress me. And uh, finally, thoughts turning to this game. Always difficult to do a pre-match interview because it could sound horrendous if we get it all horribly wrong. But Aldershot eked out a win at Ebbsfleet last week. Just the two wins this season. No back-to-back wins or back-to-back defeats. Uh, and for Barrow, what do you really want from today? you want them to concede first? <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, there is that bit of a, a running joke at the minute that if, if Barrow go in at the break at, at half-time, they, they, they tend to lose or draw the game. But... I think all I want to see really is a lot similar to what they did against Hartlepool on Tuesday. You know, the performance, the defensive side of it was was much improved. The problem was in that game they just didn't take the chances when they got them. It's got to happen today. I think the the previous games between between ourselves have have been a bit uh, a bit of a firework, haven't they? At times, yeah. especially you know the two old draw a, a few seasons yeah. ago. So yeah, just they they need to keep their heads up. It's been a difficult start, but. You know, they've just got to concentrate on today's game and, and hopefully you know, things will go right for Barrow today. And that was BBC Cumbria's Adam Johnson and Rob. Uh, well, there's a reason why you were stewing yesterday, wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> we teed up nicely, didn't we, with the chat about uh, Barrow Wednesday taking the lead on their travels and uh, not quite seeing the game through. What they needed, of course, was a fixture against all the shots down <laughs> to end that run. 
Very kindly joined by the uh, Barrow manager, Ian Everett. And uh, all the players wear those heart monitors. If you'd have had one on today, Ian, 95th minute. You've thrown away every away lead you've had this season. You're 2-0 up and absolutely cantering at Aldershot. And somehow you find yourself facing a penalty that could have left it at 2 all. Just try and describe... For our listeners, what it's like to be a manager at that time, what was going through your mind yeah. at the time? Yeah, it's not fun. Um, football has a funny funny way of somehow even itself out. And I think, as you said and rightly mentioned, that we have been in the lead in, in every single away game and in the second half in every single away game this mm. season so mm. far. So this was nothing new to us. Um, yeah, and at 2-0, 70 minutes, we were absolutely cantering. We were exceptional, I thought. We looked a threat on the break. We looked solid. We were keeping possession. And then one of my senior players makes a, a horrendous error that gives the opposition some momentum in the game. And then we looked nervous, which is, you know... It's human nature. It's human guess, nature, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We look we look nervous. Um, and we needed our keeper to bail us out. He's done that, you know. I, I think it was a soft penalty, but the centre-forward shouldn't be coming back there and giving the referee a decision to make. He did that. He made the decision, but our keeper got us out of jail, which which is good. It's what we needed. Um, we've deserved that, to be honest, with how we've played this season. I think no question on the day that Barrow deserved that win and, and the Aldershot manager, Danny Sell, has, has, has said very much so that it looked like they were possibly going to get a chance to get something out of a game where they didn't perform anywhere near to their own expectations. Um, just try and describe to us how the start of the season feels to you because I know you hurt. I know you haven't got the points that you wanted. You're probably fed up of teams saying, oh, they're a really good side, Barrow, good football inside. It's points you want, isn't it, Ian? That's right, yeah. And that is a common theme, you know, when you speak to opposition managers and, and staff after games and they say, oh, what, what a fantastic team you are. You're one of the best teams we've played. It means nothing when we've come away with no points. I think it's easily said sometimes, but I do think, I do feel like we're in a bit of a false position. I think, as you said, we've, we've been winning in the second half of every single away game and, and got before today one point out of that mm. and that was from 2-0 up at Chesterfield mm. so there's frustration there because we have done that to teams for large parts pretty much every team in this league this season but we've we've found a way of losing it today we nearly did that again but thank thank God we didn't and we've come away with the points and the points are what's important at the moment they're nearly all long away journeys aren't they from Barrow but you'll enjoy this one just a little bit more um, I know as a manager you don't tend to pick out individuals too much but as somebody who watched from a kind of a neutral or opposition point of view today I was very very impressed by uh, John Rooney and he was a doubt before the game wasn't he as well he's a key player for you definitely um, I thought first half against Halifax on Tuesday we were Rampant, really. We were looking like we are going to score at will. We we didn't quite manage to score, but John coming off after 20 minutes really affected us. Um, everything we do that's good at the moment it seems to be going through John. Um, he's experienced, he's calm. The way he he picks passes and stays cool under pressure is, is exceptional. And he's a fantastic player for us. Um, we're lucky to have him and hopefully he can carry on in this form. And finally, with just my mind wandering back to that 95th minute penalty, obviously credit to Joel Dixon for getting down low, guessing right, making the save, but I've just watched the replay and as Connor Shields goes to put in what is a routine follow-up finish, one of your defenders slides in and makes a brilliant tackle. I don't know if you saw who it was, but I wanted to give him credit, that was all. No, no. But um, yeah. I also thought that the rebound was just going to be tapped in. I don't yeah. know who made that challenge. Mm. Worth a look because yeah. he deserves a bit of credit, I'll, a bit of praise. And... I'll have a look at that, definitely. <laughs> um, as I said, we haven't quite had the rub of the green uh, so far this season, but we certainly we deserve to win today and we had a bit of the rub of the green, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. Um, as I said, we just got to make sure that we, we keep our composure for 90 minutes and, and when the chances arrive, we, we're clinical in front of goal. I thought we created probably a number of good situations today that we weren't quite clinical enough with. Um, the goal in the first half, I don't know why it was disallowed or what was the length of time for it to be disallowed. Mm. Um, I did think the National League had then got VAR. Um, <laughs> didn't didn't happen that way, didn't get the goal, but 
thankfully we, we got the right result in the end. Yeah, I've got to say, you're, you're clearly a winner from when I spoke to you before. You got the win somehow, brother. You can pick through it during the week, but congratulations on the win. Um, we'll speak to you again when we get up to Holker Street later in the season. So that was Barrow manager Ian Everett, who was uh, clearly delighted, Rob. Yeah, very, very pleased and relieved massively um, you know, to hang on, especially with that, those, those last few minutes shenanigans when all the shot who played pretty poorly. Um, almost as poorly as they did on TV against Torquay the other week. Um, it's kind of joint worst performance of the season from Aldershot, but all credit to Barrow. And incredible, really, to think that Aldershot could have nicked a two-all draw out of that in the 95th minute had uh, Connor Shields not missed a penalty for the second consecutive game. Uh, I do know for a fact that he's off the penalties now. And in another post-match interview I did, um, I spoke to Ethan Chislett, who's one of the few bright sparks for Aldershot at the minute, and I, I think he'll be putting his hand up to take some penalties in future. Uh, Rob, um, on uh, Rooney, as obviously you never mentioned him, John Rooney, so he's a player that we've seen a lot in the north. You might not have seen him before, but he is influential, isn't he? He's huge, and uh, something I discussed in that interview with uh, Ian Everett as well. I, I, when I spoke uh, yesterday to Adam Johnson prior to the game, there were a couple of injury doubts. Rooney had gone off early on the midweek game and, and he didn't think Rooney was going to make it and then the players gathered out and on the pitch and Rooney was there and I thought oh no because he hurt all the shot last year as well uh, Chris I have seen him uh, on a number of occasions and uh, yeah he pulls the strings but he wasn't the only one I was really impressed with Kay yesterday and uh, Ollie Dyson as well um, those those three gave uh, all the shot down an awful lot of problems yeah, we saw John Rooney, didn't we, Chris, the other week? He scored that free kick against Stockport County near him. He was about 30 yards out, wasn't he, I think? And he just got it up and over the wall. Yeah, that's right. And he was a, he was a bright spot for Geisley as well when uh, when they were in the in the National League, uh, well, trying to stay up <laughs> when they were in the National League a few seasons ago. But, uh, no, fantastic player and a real talisman as well. And in his own right as well now, Chris, it's really lovely that he's been at this level for a while. Everybody knows who he is and... You know, his name isn't immediately uh, uh, followed by the mention of who his brother is. You know, he's he's a decent footballer in his own right. All right, maybe not quite the skills and talent and magic that uh, his brother's got, but a very, very solid, reliable footballer at this level. Just on Aldershot, Rob. I mean, looking at the table, one win for them will push them up to kind of where Boreham would are. Well, they got the win at Ebbsfleet, and uh, yesterday was teed up nicely, I think, for both teams. You know, sat 20th and 21st, the win was going to propel them up to lower mid-table and, you know, Barrow took the opportunity, Aldershot missed it. It's still relatively early days, but I think you can see uh, from the league table that, uh, that Aldershot are going to have a, a, a tough season. And, uh, you know, they haven't managed to get back-to-back wins yet this season, just two. Uh, to their credit, though, they fight very, very hard, despite, uh, you know, perhaps a little bit of a lack of quality. Uh, and to be fair to them, they haven't had back to back to back defeats yet either. So they'll keep battling under under Danny Searle. And as I say, I expect Barrow to go on and do better things. Okay, hands up. Who uh, who would have had Chesterfield as the only team not to have a win in a national league this season? Nobody? Well, that's what's happened so far. As I say, they lost 2-1 at Chesterfield. And, and John Sheridan must be under massive pressure now for, for the money that they spent on him. And uh, some, I know there's been grumblings on their form about they've maybe not brought in as many players as they would have liked. But he's still um, a, a good squad there on paper, isn't it? With um, a lot of finance put into it. Yeah, I, I really do think that probably is pressure now um, at, at this stage. We looked at the example of Leighton Orient, they had a tough first season, but the second, the next season back they did, they started pushing up through the through the division and I think a lot of people just expected that to be the case with Chesterfield, but it's really not working at the moment and the, a club the size of that, I was at the ground recently, you know the setup there is, is, is fantastic, but it, it it's just not working is it, and I, I would expect fan pressure as well to be honest, is it, something that will... Uh, way on Sheridan's shoulders and um, yeah they've got to start picking up wins from somewhere Chris you've teed me up nicely there you talk about fan pressure I don't know if you've seen it on social media a clip from uh, the end of the game yesterday where the uh, Chesterfield players went over to their fans I think it was you know kind of by way of an apology I think they were trying to pacify them a little bit and say you know sorry we know it's not good enough 
uh, and and it did uh, it did get a bit verbal. It wasn't very pleasant to watch, to be honest. Um, you know, whilst the players were still talking to the fans, there was some dialogue and it was reasonable. But uh, somebody turned on one of the players who, who you know, should remain nameless. He had to be pulled away by his teammates, and as they walked away as a group, the chant yeah, struck up, you're not fit to wear the shirt. Yeah, tough times there uh, for Chesterfield. Ebsley are also down there, second bottom, but the last few weeks haven't been that bad for them, considering where they were. They've had two decent draws against Dover and then against Eastley on Saturday, and uh, the record isn't that bad, is it? Well, it's picked up a little bit. They're, they've lost just the one game in five now. Uh, three draws in that run as well, but they're making themselves harder to beat, which is, I guess, where you've got to start when, when you know when we when, when you begin as poorly as they have done this season. So uh, yeah, some signs of turning it around. There'll have been a tinge of disappointment yesterday, having taken the lead and uh, and led for much of the game against Eastleigh. But uh, yeah, that one ended in a draw. As did uh, Southern and Notts County. They couldn't be separated a goal apiece there. And Notts County still not setting the division alight, but uh, picking up enough points to keep them within striking distance. If they can get one of those runs, a sort of two or three wins together, uh, like, like some of the sides have done yeah, a bit like Chesterfield last year. They've only got two wins, not to count it, but they're, getting, they're drawing quite a lot of games, which is keeping them in a solid mid-table. And you can see if they can get a couple of wins on the turn, a couple of those draws into wins, then they'll they'll be probably where you are, won't they? Yeah, I think so. Um, it is starting to look, you know, like the immediate bounce back. Uh, like those of us that watched this league for many many years said was unlikely. I think I think there was a, a collective opinion. And probably coming more from Notts County than anywhere else that, that, that they might just bounce straight back but uh, the, the changes there off the pitch happening as late as they did uh, they, they're probably a few weeks behind some of the others and we'll probably be able to assess Notts County's true potential a little bit further into the season October, November time we'll get a better idea then um, I think I mentioned on the podcast before I have got a bet on with someone who is so, is so uh, sure that they're going to they're going to win the title this year. Um, that uh, they bet me ten pounds on it, and I've got all the other places. I thought it was quite generous. And look, to be fair, if they come second, you can have the dinner as well. <laughs> right. So let's move on now to the National League South. Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. And in the National League South, Wheelstone they stay top. They won by a goal to nil against Oxford City. They left it late though, but the National League South Player of the Month, Ross Lafayette scored the winner and what a signing he's turning out to be Rob he is and uh, you know he's always been a powerhouse up front a really good target man holds the ball up got a nice touch for a big player and, and he's always weighed in with a few goals but I don't think he's you know for a while hasn't had that really prolific season uh, and he's threatening to do so uh, it was a late one yesterday as well wasn't it um, you know Wilson are up there now they're there to be shot at anybody goes and plays them they are a scalp to be taken now after a brilliant start under Dean Brennan and uh, Oxford City who haven't had the best of starts themselves they're just outside the bottom four um, they were just seven minutes away from making a point at Wilson in the end of the Unsurprisingly, Dean Brennan was manager of the month as well. But you say Wheelstone are a scout, but they've got a cushion now. They've got a seven-point lead over Haven and Waterlooville, who had a tough game down at Maidstone and drew two-two. Uh, a real topsy-turvy game there. They went behind in the 25th minute. Then Anthony Strake and Danny Kedwell both scored to put them in the lead. But then they were pegged back by Dan Wishart in the last minute and. At the start of the day, I think Paul Doswell would have taken a point at Maidstone, but when you look at the Wheelstone result, it's, it's meant Wheelstone have pulled, full, pulled full, further clear of them now. Yeah, there is a gap opened up. Um, I think having the Waterloo Villa where they would want and expect to be in the top two at this stage, but I'll have to keep a little bit of an eye on that gap. Uh, yesterday, Wheelstone had a home game. They had a tough away fixture at Maidstone, obviously one of the early season favourites. And who knows whether that uh, two points that they lost in the final minute yesterday might have some bearing on the, the final outcome of the season you, you just don't know at this stage do you remember last year this time last year Tolkien and Woking were already setting the pace for the Ricky just behind um, and uh, it really did feel from very early on that it was going to be between Torquay and Woking didn't it um, this year it's slightly different we shouldn't forget that uh, you know when Bobby Wilkinson left Wilston and Brennan took the job one or two people thought mm, is that the right appointment for Brennan 
and you know the money seems to have gone out of Wilson. But he's got the contacts, hasn't he? He's brought in the right players and he's got them hitting the ground running. It's a quite phenomenal start. Um, you know, having uh, having got them so when they've literally just dropped three points out of thirty, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, well done, uh, uh, Dean Brennan. I don't think anybody would query that manager of the month award. Oh, absolutely not. And. Uh, somebody else who could be up there and up, up in the running for that award if they carry on going is Sammy Moore at Hemel Hempstead. Another good win for them. And they've, uh, they've leapfrogged Bill Ricky there, the tuna win over Chelmsford City. Jack Midson amongst the goals as well. Chelmsford, who've kind of, we'll come on to them in a minute, they're, they're struggling a little bit. But Hemel, uh, another team who are surprising everyone. Yeah, they're doing nicely. I mean, to be fair, I think it's well known that uh, Sammy Moore took some of the best players from Conquest Yeah, like it did for Concord Rangers at Hampton and Richmond Borough. They were pegged back twice by uh, Danilo Arce de Domo, who we heard from last week. But uh, a late winner there for Concord means they are in fifth position. And it means Hampton stay second bottom. But Concord, they're having another good season, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think them being fifth at the moment, uh, without wishing to stir things up, is a greater achievement than Hamilton Hempstead being third given the players that left Concord to go to Hemel. So well done, Concord. Um, a really good start for them. And they were showed that they were pretty dogged yesterday, as you say, you know, ultimately taking the lead for the third time in the 90th minute and, and getting that one done at uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough. Dark and they recovered from a little wobble that they've had over the last couple of weeks. They won in a cracking game, probably the game of the day, at Dartford by four goals to three. There's been some uh, some changes at Dartford this week, which we'll come on to shortly. But, uh, yeah, good win for Darkin and, and four different scorers as well, which is always good. Jason Pryor and Giuseppe Sol, uh, two of the scorers there, as well as James Shane got on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, it was a rollercoaster of the game, wasn't it? Talking, taking the lead early on, then found themselves... 2-1 down and 3-2 down but yeah two goals in the last six minutes uh, pulled them uh, turned that one round to, to, to get the win so they keep pace as well uh, in uh, sixth place I think the only other one in the top six we haven't mentioned so far is Billy Ricky they mm. played Bath who were a decent outfit in their own right yesterday just a goal apiece uh, Deering for Billy Ricky and, and, and Brunt for Bath that one uh, ended in a, a, a draw. And the That's not a massive surprise, is it, Rob, that, that end of the draw? They're probably two evenly matched teams. Bath are probably slightly more off the pace than they expected. I mean, they're only two points or even a point off the last playoff spot. So it's not a surprise yeah. Bath went there and got a draw, was it? No, not at all. Just three points between the two sides in the table. And uh, continuing that theme of staying in the game and grabbing a late winner, Weymouth again against mm. Welling United yesterday who've not had the start they wanted to the season but uh, Brett Williams who looks like he might just have another prolific season in him at the right club at the right time at the right level for him getting the winner on 75 minutes and Mark Molesley will be absolutely chuffed now things have settled down a little bit obviously had a barnstorming start but 10 games into the season that time when everybody says it's ok to look at the league table they're just nestling in the final mm. playoff place well done Wayman well, one chairman who did look at the league table this week and took action was at Dartford. Adam Flanagan and Jamie Coyle, they were relieved from their duties after a 3-2 defeat at Tombridge in midweek. And co-chairman Dave Skinner basically said they had targets to meet and that they had failed in those targets. So they were relieved of those duties. As I say, didn't get any better for them on Saturday. They lost 4-3 at home to Dorking. What do you make of that, Rob? Yeah, obviously we talked about the game already, but um, I have to say they showed faith in those managers uh, carrying on this season uh, and they sit after 10 games in the bottom three with just seven points. And I, I, Whilst I don't know the people involved and I have no agenda with it, I like those really clear words 
they're not using often enough, are they, in, in terms mm. of accountability, in terms of measurement. They had a target, they haven't met it, so we're moving on. And uh, I, 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 um, I applaud those words. And as I say, with no personal agendas against the people involved, who I don't know, I just like the clarity of the, the clear, decisive uh, decision-making. And probably at the right time as well, 10 games, 7 points, not good enough um, time to make a change. Yeah, like you say, sometimes um, these statements have come out quite woolly, aren't they? But like you say, just very, very forthright there. It, it was, and Dartford, you know, on their day when things are going well, uh, they, they get one of the big crowds, they're one of the bigger teams in the National League South, obviously, uh, one or two of those teams that have come down from the National League aside. And the expectations there are for much, much better than uh, the bottom three. Looking at the, the bottom end of the table, Tunbridge, well, they got themselves uh, a win last week. We, we talked about that on the podcast yesterday. They uh, they hung in the game. They got level. Um, I beg your pardon. No, they hung in the, in the game. They were still just a goal down with three minutes to go after uh, Tom Derry's penalty. But uh, they did go down to Chippenham and continued to sort of uh, defy. Found that uh, they want to write them off. They sat helpfully at the table. And uh, our good friend Ian Herring at Hungerford uh, Town, well, they took an eight-minute lead yesterday against St Albans City and hung on to that until uh, early in the second half, two goals in three minutes, turned thing round for St Albans City. And that, that defeat does unfortunately leave Ian Herring side bottom of the table, but uh, they won't be laying down for anybody, trust me. No, and Ian Allison basically said that uh, the wind and the slope hampered the cars in the first half, but then his quote was, a rocket up the backside never did any harm, <laughs> which is which is good really, and then his side, as you say, came back and uh, claimed the three points, a welcome three points for them, which means they move now into double figures. Braintree, after a terrible start, Robber, um, are really picking up, aren't they? They, they? they had a good win over Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday. So now we're going to move on to the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. In the National League North, you issued a Wharton warning, didn't you, last week, Dickie, to York. And they drew 0-0 with Geisley on Tuesday and then 1-1 at home with Southport on Saturday in a game which Steve Watson said they were lucky or he was relieved to get a point out of in the end. And um, they've been leapfrogged by Kings Linney, we'll come on to in a minute. But uh, York have... They're not in a rut as such, but they've had a couple of draws that they'll be disappointed with, won't they? Yeah, they have. I think that was a, a third draw in four games yesterday. Um, so, and I think basically they've set a standard that's really high, haven't they, in the first through the opening month of the season. Any other team, or you, you, you'd be happy with a four-game unbeaten run, and certainly the, the, the run that they're on. Um, they are still the only unbeaten team, but then perhaps it's just a sign of the expectations that people are disappointed with the point. It, it, and, and also maybe the expectations that Steve Watson, as a manager, is setting for the squad as well. You know that um, that's a good sign, I guess, that he wants better from them. That yes, he accepts that at some points they're going to get you know results that perhaps the, the performance doesn't justify or vice versa. But but. Um, yeah, trying to turn a, a negative into a positive there. It's, I think that's potentially a good sign for Steve Watson that he, he isn't satisfied with that. Yeah, he, he did have the consolation of winning manager of the month as well, so he, he'll take that. But Kings Lynn, they keep marching on. They they had a really good draw at Spennymore. They, they fell behind and then came back. That man, Adam Marriott, scoring again. And Rory McCauley also getting on the score sheet before being pegged back late on by spending more but uh, yeah Kingsland who would have predicted they'd be top as we hit September I don't think any of us did to be perfectly honest so yeah it's probably uh, it, probably not a surprise to anybody outside of, of Kings Lynn but as for the rest of the league yeah then I would say it's a surprise uh, again a sign yesterday that I think Ian Culverhouse was quoted after saying that um, that maybe they did get away with a, a poor first half performance I think 
Jason Ainsley, the Spenny Moore manager, said his team had enough chances during games to probably win two games of the football, let alone one. Mm. But they didn't take those. And then um, Kings Lynn uh, equalised Adam Boyce's early goal. I think then Spenny Moore then went ahead and then it was level once more. But um, yeah, Ian Culverhouse said that. Um, as much as they were disappointed, well, that they were disappointed with the result, you know, after the run they'd been on, as much as he felt they'd perhaps got away with one a little bit, that the air in the dressing room was one of disappointment because, again, the team were just feeling so confident at the moment that they just feel like they can go anywhere and, and get a result against anybody. Yeah, no, I presume the same uh, goes for Chester Day, bounce back from defeat last week at Spennymoor by winning at Curzon Ashton last Monday evening and then they followed that up with a good win against Geisley who've been doing really well this season Aaron Martin the player of the month got on the score sheet for them and scored his 11th goal of the season so a really good start for him but Aquasia Santi and Anthony Dudley got the goals which, which sank Geisley in the end Yeah um, I think Chester Geisley yesterday was probably the game of the day in the division based on, on where the sides were in the league um, and Chester showing signs that they're turning the Diva Stadium into a bit of a fortress, really. Um, they were 2-0 up by half-time, two goals from a quasi Asante. Um, he's, when he's fit and firing, he's you know, such a dangerous player at this level. Um, then Anthony Dudley put them 3-0 up, and I think they were even disappointed that they conceded Aaron Martin's goal in the last 10 minutes. Uh, Bernard Morley said he felt the team deserved a clean sheet. Um, but admitted, you know, that they're happy to be out of the limelight a little bit. I don't think they're going to be out of the limelight for an awful lot longer if they carry on putting results like this together because they're they're just a couple of points shy of um, of top spot now. Um, so it's a little bit hard to, to remain in the shadows. But um, yeah, Chester look like they're, they're they're building something quite um, quite strong there this season. It's a good point you made that, Dicky. Actually, and a good point that Bernard Marley makes because with with York being up there, everyone's kind of. Got the focus on York a little bit. I mean, we all predicted them to to win the league, except for Chris, who went for Chester. But they've got good managers there, haven't they? But I think with York, with with who they signed and things like that, like you say, it has taken the spotlight off off Chester. Yes, it has, and you know, I think I suppose it was difficult for them when they were the managers at Salford City because they were the team everybody wanted to knock off. But um, I think. Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley probably enjoy being that slight underdogs tag. I think that's you know that there's a there's an air that they give off of, of being you know two guys who like to prove people wrong, um, and and I think they would probably almost prefer to be that that slightly unfancied team that comes and upsets the apple cart rather than the runaway favourites. But um, yeah, they're, they're they're up to third in the league, and I said I think they've they only lost once in the season so far. So um, signs are very good at Chester. Alfreton have started the season well as well, and uh, they beat Curzon by three goals to two, and a hat trick from a player you know well, Dicky um, Amari Morgan Smith. Yes, no Amari very well from his time with uh, about eighteen months or so with Telford. Uh, he moved on in the summer and uh, he certainly seems to have found himself a place where he's, he's very much at home with Billy Heath at Alfreton. That was a, a, a hat-trick for him yesterday. That takes him to 10 for the season, so he's just one behind Aaron Martin in that uh, you know race for the, the, the leading scorer. Um, it, you know, it's a phenomenal return, a goal a game in the first 10 games of the season. Um, and it sounded very much as if Alfreton were the only team in it, to be perfectly honest, yesterday. I think the two goals for Curzon Ashton came in the 86th and the 90th minute. So, again, perhaps a bit of disappointment from Alfreton that they didn't see that through and get the clean sheet. Um, a fifth win in six for Alfreton. They lost 3-2 at Kings Lynn in midweek, so they've rebounded really strongly from that one. And a little bit of the, the other side of the coin from that one is Curzon Ashton. I think that's their fifth defeat in six. They started the season four and beaten, two wins and two draws. It's not gone quite so well since then for Mark Bradshaw's men, but um, you know they've 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 tumbled down the table a little bit. But you know there's still quality in that side and uh, some of the players that they've got there. So it's still early days, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just going back to Alfreton as well. I mean, we're saying about Chester um, not being in the limelight. Alfreton are probably a team who 
many people haven't really spoken about, but they've got a manager in Billy Heath who's won this league twice with uh, with well with Halifax. He was he was quite fancy, but certainly when he won it with North Ferriby, it wasn't. And could there be a shout for them to maybe crash the promotion party? I think there is. They could. They certainly could be on the strength of what we've seen at the moment. Um, as he's, he's he's a manager who's been there and, and and done it and got the t-shirt at this level, uh, Billy Heath, and something about the team he put together last season maybe just the, the, just wasn't quite right. You know, he, be, he seemed to bring in players that he knew well from last season. So I don't quite know what why it didn't happen for them. But um, as I say, he's, he's made some moves during the summer. Um, certainly brought me two players that I know well in in, in Dom Smith in the defence as well. Uh, another former Telford player and uh, yes I absolutely see no reason why Alfreton shouldn't be uh, certainly looking at a, a playoff place now and two teams in the playoffs who um, had a slow start an okay start to the season um, were Farsley and they had a good 3-2 win over Kettering Town and then Boston United who I was speaking to a manager last week who's saying that they they kind of they've drawn a lot and they should be doing a lot better. Well, they've picked up and had two good wins over the last seven days, and uh, they beat Bradford Park Avenue on Saturday, and they're in sixth now in the playoffs. Yes, they are. Um, another team who sort of like they've quite quietly crept up there. Only one defeat in the, the nine games they've played, and they they have got a game in hand on it on some of the teams because of their fixture at Spennymoor not taking place that's one that's got to be rearranged um, but yeah it's, it's it's draws that have that have cost them um, you know a, a high elite placing at the moment I think it's four wins four draws and one defeat uh, if they if they turned a few more of those draws into the extra two points then uh, Boston would be sitting pretty but you know they, they started last season really well and fell away Um Maybe flying under the radar suits them a little bit more because I think that you know they started, they went off like a train last season and then couldn't maintain that. A team just outside of the playoff places, just by one point, and we, we mentioned them a few weeks ago about having a bad start, but they've snuck up now at Brackley, and in you, you were in perfect. Uh, you're the perfect person to speak to them about because they played Telford on Saturday. Matt Lowe, the England C international opener, scoring, but then Marcus Denanga equalised Brack Brackley kind of they're getting into the groove now a little bit aren't they yeah they are they're, they're finding a little bit more of their form I think they only had one win in their first four but um, yeah they, they've started to, to well I think it's one defeat in the last six or seven for them now um, they, but they were not quite the Brackley I expected yesterday uh, I was very pleased with the with the performance from Telford and actually thought Telford could have actually shaded it in the second half but um, it, you know that there's such a lot of quality in that Brackley side that um, you'd be surprised if they were to, to remain you know languishing where they were at the start of the season and yes certainly once they start to, to, to pick up um, speed I, I expect them to be up and around those playoff places again Kevin Wilkins far too experienced um, to you know, for, for anything else to happen, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they've not lost, the home form with the kid. They've not lost at home yet, uh, but it's so tight in those playoff places, isn't it? I mean, you look at Brackley in fifteenth, you go all the way down to Darlington in seventeenth. I mean, there's only four points separating them. Yeah, and I was starting to. I looked at the league table obviously before we spoke this morning and had this feeling that you you feel the league table is starting to, to crystallise a little bit now. You've got probably a group of, well, certainly the, the three at the top, Kingsland, York and Chester, they're looking set for you know being around the top six, top seven for the rest of the season, you would say. Then, unfortunately, at the other end of the table, that we've got uh, Bradford Park Avenue, Blythe partners and Kettering who likewise look like they're set to be down towards the bottom but from those points in between it's absolutely anybody's you know it is so tight um, it was a similar case in this division last year um, and I think it's a really fascinating division for that because it is so unpredictable and the teams can move up and down um, 
you know, a, a, a run of four or five good results can make such a big difference to your fortunes. A couple of other results that stood out for you, isn't it, Dickie? Yeah, there is. Um, Altrincham, uh, a 5-0 home win against Leamington. Um, I know a few weeks ago, Altrincham lost 5-0 to Boston. And I read some quotes from Phil Parkinson, the manager afterwards, who said, um, you know, that he, he, I think he used words like embarrassment and, and that, you know, he, he was not happy to be associated with, with that kind of performance and that kind of result at all. It, it, they didn't get a reaction straight away, but I think there might have been a, a bit of a sense yesterday that normal service might be some way towards being resumed. A goal from Jordan Hume ahead of the break, but then, um, yeah, the Leamington, as per their nickname, the breaks failed in the second half. Four goals, um, two of them admittedly in injury time, so put a little bit of gloss on the score for Altrincham there. But a 5-0 win, two for Josh Hancock, an own goal, a goal for Tom Pearce in there as well. And maybe that Altrincham um, uh, you know, ship is just starting to sail into clearer waters now. A decent point for Bly, got to mention them as well, they've moved within three points of Ketsu. Now, they had a, a good draw against Kidderminster Harriers, and we said last week, are they, uh, are they dead in the water? But they've kind of kept their heads just above water with that point, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's important for them to sort of, you know, I'm sure Lee Clark will be looking for any positives that he can possibly, you know, lay, uh, cling on to at the moment. Um, and certainly a, a point is better than they've achieved in, in most of the games so far this season. Unsurprisingly, Robbie Dale, a man who's you know he's synonymous with the name Bly Spartans, he got the goal yesterday that got them the point, uh, levelling Alex Prosser's opener for Kidderminster Harriers. Um, and yet, you've got to look at it and say that it gives them something to build on uh, in the situation that you're in. You, you take whatever positives you can find, and they'll be looking to roll that forward. Difficult one, though, for them. Midweek, they play one of uh, their fixtures that uh, should have happened earlier in the season and was put back and that's a, a local derby away to Spenny Moor Town so it's not the easiest of places to go looking to build on an admittedly good result or a positive result on a Saturday but um, uh, yeah we'll see what transpires from that one also just worth mentioning from Kidderminster on that one as well another statement from Kidderminster this week reassuring fans that the, the, the ownership situation which has been discussed much lately that, that things are ongoing that just because it's quiet doesn't mean that things aren't happening but I think um, everybody involved with Kidderminster is anxious to sort of resolve that situation and then, then move on I would think and on that bombshell uh, that is it so thank you very much for joining us you're very welcome Luke well Chris thanks for joining us yeah cheers Luke Okay, thanks for joining us, Rob. Cheers, boys. Have a good week. Speak soon. So don't forget to subscribe to us. And you can tweet us as well, at NLFullTime. If you don't have social media, just, e- just email us, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, thank you very much for joining us. And happy football watching, and we'll see you all very soon.